How is everyone doing out there? This is the 10th episode of Cooper's Chalk Talk. And today I'm going to be talking about something that's pretty close to my heart. Um, and just once again, we're going to be talking about food um, and just what is actually on the plate. Um, you know, I think I've been reading, you know, there's a ton of documentaries out there about different kinds of foods. You know, it depends on what, what you're kind of watching is where you get your information as well as how much actual reading you're actually getting. So, you know, I just watched this documentary. I was on Hulu. Um, I think it's called What's on Your Plate? Um, I think Natalie Portman, if I'm not mistaken, was the one who actually narrated it. So once again, just it was a really good documentary. I thought they did a great job. I think it shows a lot of kind of the ins and outs of the actual you know, kind of the ugly side of the actual meat markets, you know, I think that in, you know, as we kind of go through this, it's kind of fascinating to kind of see a lot of this stuff. And once again, it's kind of eye opening once you kind of look at this, because, you know, truly, whenever you're eating a chicken nugget, I think you kind of forget that that a chicken was killed for that, because, you know, it's, not shaped like a chicken. It looks nothing like a chicken. It just tastes delicious. So that's one thing that I want to talk about. Just, you know, talking about meat. Once again, I'm not by any means saying that, you know, I don't eat meat or that I don't consume in, you know, part of the actual problem as well. Because, you know, it, it, one, one of the biggest things that I find myself is it is a very big controversy that I have in my own head because I know where this food is coming from. I know the, I know the struggle of it, but at the same time is, you know, how do I get past, you know, what do I enjoy actually eating and what do I, you know, do for the betterment of, you know, not only for, you know, the animals, but also for the betterment of the actual world. You know, you think about, you know, how many people that are eating this kind of meat and this food and how much is actually polluting, you know, the land, the air, you know, all this kind of stuff, you know, as you kind of look into it, it's, it's kind of insane to see how much the actual meat populate or the actual meat um, industry really affects the overall world and just the overall, um, I guess, just well-being of not only people, but other wildlife, you know, a lot of this, a lot of times, you know, you have antibiotics, you have pesticides that get into water streams and kill tons of fish, and they basically eliminate um, some large portions of free running water. And, you know, one of the more fascinating things is, is, you know, there's a lot of different ways to source your meats as well. Um, Not to get too much on a on a hunting spree. But, you know, I think that that's one thing that you kind of look at is, you know, hunters are always looked at as these animals like, oh, well, do you really have to go kill a deer? And, you know, I, I think that that's, you know, that's one of the most common things is like, oh, well, why don't you just go buy your food from a store like that's already dead? Like, why do you have to go out and kill a majestic animal? And, you know, I think that that's, you know, I think that's very common, commonly thought of from people that don't understand the hunting world. Um, you know, my buddy, probably the person I thought would be the least likely to hunt out of all my friends went and hunted, um, this past year and he hunted an elk. They, they harvested an elk and, you know, they got enough meat there. They have enough meat for an entire year. They have enough elk for an entire year with, you know, him and his wife and his kids. And, you know, they basically cook it almost on a daily basis. And the great part about that is he says, you know, he's like, you know, we have true appreciation of where we get our meat from. And at the same time as he knows the meat that he's giving his kids there, you know, once again, this, this meat was grass fed. It was, you know, it was raised on the land and there was no antibiotics. There was nothing like being kept in some kind of barn with, you know, hundreds of other animals or any, any kind of sort of thing like that as well. And, and at the same time is, you know, hunting, it is, you know, you're, it's usually, you know, the way it's intended to do is it's supposed to be very quick and, you know, no, no kind of struggle for the animal as well. And the reason why that's very important is because, you know, you think about these animals, you know, it, I don't know. I think the best question that I like to think about is, you know, 
do you love animals? Like, do you care about the well-being of animals? And, you know, I would say, you know, 99% of people would be like, yeah, like, you know, I don't, I don't want an animal to suffer for me to eat it. You know, of course I still want to eat the meat, but I don't want the animal to suffer in that, in that stand, in that standpoint. So, you know, I kind of want to break down a couple things. A lot of these, you know, kind of miss as well. There's a lot of kind of miss out there, you know, and, you know, oh, it's organic. So that means it's better. The animal wasn't as bad. And, you know, as you kind of break down what organic means, there's not a lot of like beyond the organic part besides just what chemicals were used on the actual products for the animals or even your fruits and vegetables. So, you know, as we kind of go through, I think the first thing that I want to talk about, I, you know, I think it's very important is just the life cycle of just a factory farm chicken. I think it's most one of the most common things. Everybody loves Chick-fil-A, right? Everyone likes Chick-fil-A. Everyone likes chicken nuggets. It's one of the most commonly things eaten. So a factory farm chicken lives to be about 42 days old. That's the average life. So in the wild, you know, a chicken can live for several years. You know, I think that it just kind of, that's one thing to look at. And, you know, once again, as you kind of watch these doc- documentaries, you can see that we've basically altered chickens to be these really heavy chickens that their legs are basically rubber. They can't, they can't keep themselves up. A lot of times the actual, and this is actually pretty disgusting, um, a lot of times the actual meat becomes actually bacteria infested because the, what happens is the chicken is dragging its chest on the ground. And what happens is a lot of times that gets infested with tons of different things because, you know, it, it's walking around in, you know, other, other chicken shit. And, you know, it's and what happens is that gets into the skin and then you get a, you get a, you get different kinds of bacteria. And then before you know it, you have, you know, you're just gonna have random dead chickens throughout. So the farmers go through and pick them up and just kind of throw them away. And, you know, you kind of move on, but nonetheless, you know, you kind of think about what an average chicken is, what you think about what a chicken is going to look like and what an actual chicken in one of these farms looks like. It's nothing like that. It's basically just, you know, just a big, you know, as crazy as it sounds, it looks just literally like what you buy in a store, just a big chunk of meat with rubber legs that can't really move very well and a head on top. And basically what happens is they raise them by the thousands and tens of thousands. And what happens is they raise them and then they make it once they hit their day 42, they're kind of taken out. They're just basically, then they're slaughtered and defeathered and everything. And then they're just kind of run through a, run through a factory chain and, you know, kind of something fascinating about this actual, um, this documentary on Hulu, um, was it, it pointed out that 99% of meat, it comes from the actual factory farm process now. So only 1% of our meat, um, comes from just true family farm kind of style. Like that's, that's how it is. You know, 99% of our food is coming from a factory farm. So, no matter what you want to think about, you know, oh, well, I only buy organic chicken. I only buy organic chicken, so I'm not part of the problem. Or I buy free-range chicken. You know, as I kind of dig into what free-range chicken really means, it's kind of shocking and actually kind of, it's it's actually very disheartening to me as myself. So, you know, free-range chicken just means that a door has to be open for only five minutes so the chickens can see fresh light for at least five minutes a day. That is what a free range by the government. That is what government officials say is free range chicken. To open up a door of a barn for five minutes, chickens get to see fresh air for five minutes, and that is fresh air. So once again, I'm you know I'm I'm just I'm just kind of pointing out certain facts. Okay, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I mean just a basic fact of this is basically if you're going to Whole Foods and you're buying free range chicken, you know it would be interesting to see what that actually means at a Whole Foods store because. Whenever you, once again, if you think about 99% of our food is coming from a factory farm condition, that's, you're kind of, you're, you're kind of stuck in a corner, right? I mean, 
you know, I'm, I'm not going to stop you from going to Chick-fil-A. You're not going to stop taking your kids to go get a six piece chicken McNugget. And that's, that's just the fact of it is these chickens are, you know, they're just basically just raised on, you know, as you know, it's kind of crazy. Purdue who raises a ton of chickens, they say there's no hormones added. There's none of this stuff kind of added in all of our chickens are free range. And once again, as you kind of dig into that, they don't have to add any hormones to the chicken because they've already chemically altered the chicken to be a certain kind of way. So they don't have to add any hormones. The chicken's already a mutant. So basically, if this chicken was out in wildlife, it would die because it couldn't support itself. And at the same time, is you're basically raising an animal that is going to be harvested in 42 days, so it doesn't have to have a longevity life. You know, you're turning out a lot of meat. You're going to turn around and sell it. It's going to be very cheap because, you know, the way they actually treat these farmers is actually kind of terrible as well you know they they basically make these farmers to where they're their own entity. They don't have any control of their own farm. They're, it's basically a forced rank system. So if your neighbor is the top selling or the top producing in chickens, he's going to be very high up. And it's actually against the law for you as a farmer to go and ask and be like, hey, like, what are you doing to be so successful? You can actually get a federal federal lawsuit based on that from the actual company of, you know, kind of sharing information, sharing practices and stuff, which is kind of wild. I mean, you know, once again, I'm in sales. So if there's another sales rep doing a great job, I'm natural, natural thing is, you know, I'm going to give him a call. You know, how, how are you having success? What are you doing? You know, give me, give me some information. I want to be successful as well. It's against the law. They can't do that. So, so once again, in it just it kind of blew my mind when especially once I heard the what the free range meant I think it kind of you know I'm not to be you know corny or anything but it really knocked my socks off like yeah I was I always try to buy free range chickens it's one of the things that I do um you know I eat a lot of chicken you know I don't especially like whenever I'm kind of you know prepping for shows and stuff it's a lot of chicken a lot of fish so you, you eat a lot of that so whenever you kind of find that out you're like oh i was thought i was doing the right thing i thought i was being the good person of buying this chicken because you put this image in your head of these chickens running around on a farm and running around outside and then you know they have a pretty good life before they're slaughtered and made for food so you know that that's the end of the day for them but you know at the same time is i think it's very important to kind of think about that and the longevity of it too is these these farmers they raise these animals from egg to chicken you know the 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 one percent they raise them from um, egg to chicken and then they have to sell them and you know it's it's an economy part of it there is a business side to it you know they raise these animals for the food of the people and they have to sell them so it's you know that that is the fact of the economics of food but what at what point does it become just a just almost like a torturous system for the animals so as we kind of transition into this i'm going to kind of break down some stuff that this part kind of broke my heart a little bit not going to lie as you kind of read through it so um, you know, especially when, you know, once again, you watch these documentaries and, you know, you, you know, once again, you kind of take it with a grain of salt, but at the same time, you do a lot of the reading online, um, just from different avenues, you know, of course you don't, you know, every, not every farmer that does the factory farming is going to be a terrible guy. And, you know, they, they actually show a, show a clip of a guy that, you know, he, he says, you know, he's like, he's like, you know, not all of us farmers are bad people. You know, we're, we try to do the right thing. And, you know, we try to give the, the cows the best life that we possibly can. So, you know, by no means am I saying all factory farmers are bad, but I do think there's an enormous problem. So I want you to I want you to keep this in mind, okay? So the pigs are just in the great overall view of life. Pigs are thought of to be the fourth smartest animal, just behind chimpanzees. So just I, I, I think it's just important to think about how cognitive intelligent they are. Dogs are actually behind them, so dogs are fifth. Okay. So I want you to think about just that in, in the scale of it as we kind of talk through some of this stuff. So um, 
once again, I talk about pigs because, you know, I think pigs are one of the most common things not really thought of is, you know, people always think about just bacon and ham and everything like that. You don't actually put a face to the, the pig, but really thinking about it, the pig is the fourth smartest animal. So pigs are extremely social. You know, my, my dad raised pigs whenever he was a kid. Um, you know, it, it, pigs are, pigs are just a social animal. They're very smart. They, you know, they know how to swim. You know, the pigs in Exuma, they, they were in crates whenever the uh, ship capsized and they swam to shore of a beach, like extremely smart animals, extremely clean animals as well. And, you know, if you look at the life, the life cycle of what a pig is in the growing stages for consumption, uh, just once these, these factory farmers, um, the average life of one of these pigs is 115 to 120 days. Okay. They get them up to 280 pounds. They feed them basically just pure grain, corn, soybean, all that stuff. Right. So you get them up to 200 pounds. And once again, the life of these pigs, if you look online, obviously you're only going to find the most worst stuff, you know, the most terrible kind of viewings of these pigs of how they're treated. I'm sure they're not all like that, but at the same time, you have to take that and look at it being, you know, the way they raise these pigs outside of these farms, they have huge, they, I think they call them Pepto-Bismol, um, lakes. And what they essentially are, are there these huge pink lakes because underneath all the pigs, it's a great system. So the pigs poop and pee and all that goes down into those grates. And then it gets fed into the actual, um, into the, these actual pink, um, Pepto-Bismol lake things. And then what happens is that a lot of these lakes don't have any kind of bottoms to them. So that water is getting straight into the ground, getting into lakes. You know, a lot of times they actually use that water to use on crops because it's thought quote unquote, you know, you know, it's, it's fertilizer essentially with the way that it's thought of, but you think about that. And if you just think about what a pig is raised on, you're raising pigs with a steel down steel grate underneath them. They're being force fed. They're being raised in, you know, in extreme small capacities. And once again, this is the fourth smartest animal. So it's essentially like just torturing an animal in the way that I kind of, this, I don't want to relate the two, but I just think something that would be very commonly thought of would be imagine if that was what you were doing with dogs. Now imagine if you had the fifth smartest animal. These animals aren't even as smart as pigs. So you take the fifth smartest animal, you raise them in, you know, basically just think of a pound. A pound, you throw them in there, you put you put 30 dogs in a kennel that they can barely move around. You're, you're feeding them. They only live to be 117 days. And then once they're at 117 days, you take them and slaughter them. And then that's their life. That, that, that is their, that is the entirety of their life. So you kind of think about that. And it, it's very disheartening because, you know, the, these, once again, you know, anybody who's ever raised pigs, you know, my mom, my dad, they both raised pigs. And honestly, they, they both really speak very highly of pigs. You know, that was one of their favorite animals to raise. And, you know, they have personalities, they're smart, they're, they're you know, they, they just, they're, that's just the personality of the animal. And we're essentially just taking that all away. And we're just turning them into pure, just that's a pork chop. And that's all it is that things like it's basically looking at something like it's not even alive. So once again, I am a meat eater. I love eating meat. And I'm not saying that I've never eaten bacon. I've never eaten ham because I have. But I do think there's there has to be kind of a give and take here from us being a society as well as, you know, where do we where do we come? Where's our next step? What is the next step of this is, 
you know, how much, how much information is going to be enough information to make us actually change as a society as well. Um, China's already changing. I think by 2030, they're going to reduce the actual diet that they have for the population by meat by 50%. Now, it's kind of an interesting stat because that sounds like China is trying to become very forthcoming or try to become very less meat dependent. But at the same time, is their population control, you know, the population in China is kind of so outwhelming that or oh so overwhelming that just for simple economics, they might have to do that. So I don't necessarily know if that's for pure food reasons or if that's just because that's what they have to do just to be able to, you know, survive as a race out there as well. So, you know, and, you know, once again, I'm not trying to bash any kind of, any kind of thought process, you know, I'm, you know, if you, you know, if you're sitting there eating a sandwich right now, you know, I'm not by any means trying to bash what you do because, you know, I like, I love meat as well. I love, you know, I, you know, I love a spicy chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A just as much as anybody else. But what this has done is this has really opened up my eyes for what, I want to be able to kind of set and tune and at the same time is, you know, something that I've always wanted to do, especially as I get a little bit older is, you know, I've always wanted to buy like a house with some land on the outskirts of town and, you know, be able to kind of raise that on my own. And I think that that's something that, you know, it, it sounds kind of like a, a dream almost because everybody lives in an apartment or they live in like a cul-de-sac and, you know, you kind of think of, well, what do I do? You know, I, I, I'm not going to go, I don't have any desire to go have my own ranch or raise my own animals. So what do I do? And, you know, the kind of crazy thing I, I used to live in Austin, they had these amazing farmer markets in Austin. You know, we live out here in Phoenix, they have amazing farmer markets in, in Phoenix. And is the food going to cost a little bit more? You know, it is that I'm not going to lie to you. The food is going to cost a little bit more. Is grass fed beef going to cost a little bit more too? We're going to talk about grass fed organic beef, but um, you know, grass fed beef is going to cost you a little bit more, but at the same time is, you know, just the same thing with, with what we're doing with our actual world is how we're, how can a little bit of money go so such a long way in preserving the betterment of, you know, uh, of the, of the other, of the other animals that are on the world, you know, um, you know, the, the human population basically has, has done a, a great job at, at preserving food that can feed us, you know, that we do a great job as a race of doing that, of, of people being like, okay, like pigs, cows, and chickens, they, those are great meats for us. So we have to preserve them. We're going to raise them in, in mass quantities. We're going to slaughter them in mass quantities, but you're never going to run out of them. But how do we make sure that we're actually preserving the life of those animals before they are consumed? And I think that's just an important thing to think about it. You know, the betterment of the life as well. You know, once again, there's always going to be an economics of it. And, you know, I, I know there's people that are like, well, you know, it's, you know, it's wrong to kill animals. And, you know, everybody has their own opinion. I, I personally, you know, there's, I'm never going to stop eating meat. That's just not something that I want to do in my lifetime. But at the same time as I want to eat, you know, sustainable meat that I know that is produced the right way at the most possible times possible or in the most, I guess, in most times and not because, you know, it, it, and you know, whenever you go out and eat, you don't know where that meat comes from, you know, and that's just the facts of it. And so there's going to be certain times and, you know, you're not going to have control of that. But I think if you do a, if you do your valiant effort day in and day out of trying to do this, of where you're buying your food, how are you feeding your kids and, you know, how are you trying to just feed the body, feed your temple? I think it's going to go a very long way. And, you know, in this documentary, they start talking about the school system. And once again, I've talked about the education system before. They talk about, you know, they get the lowest quality, you know, the lowest price, lowest quality of food 
meat, everything, and they're pumping it into kids. So, you know, once again, if there was ever an epidemic of a breakout of some kind of virus or something that got into the chicken, you know, got into the beef, you know, these, these farms that raise animals by the mass quantities. And, you know, once again, all it takes is one bacteria outbreak in one of these slaughterhouses to infect one chicken that goes into two, then all of a sudden it's an entire warehouse. And then by the time it's caught, it's been eaten by half of the population because everyone eats making chicken McNuggets or whatever at one of these schools. And then all of a sudden your kid has some crazy disease or, you know, it just lowers their overall ability to fight other diseases because there's so many different hormones. So once again, I know it sounds kind of conspiracy theorist, you know, tin hat on my head as far as that goes, but I just think it is something to kind of think about of, you know, what, what is going into your kid's diet, you know, and I think, you know, I would say 10 out of 10 parents want their kids to be eating the best quality of food. But at the same time as, you know, once again, cost comes into it, you know, eating, eating healthy or eating the grass fed beef, eating this kind of stuff, eating, you know, a, um, poultry that comes from the farmer's market, you know, it's, it's not going to be the cheapest. So, you know, how can, you know, how can it be subsided? And I think one thing that was kind of interesting is, you know, they, they are truly kind of transitioning into a, you know, a plant-based protein. And I think even Tyson's chicken has invested 5% into a company that is all pro all based on that. So, you know, I think it's, once again, it's, it's how you, how you can adjust your diet as well, especially going forward for this. So, um, so that was kind of what I wanted to talk about with, with that as well. And I want to talk about just, I think the biggest, one of the biggest things for me is, you know, I, I love beef, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. I love eating, you know, a nice burger, a good steak, you know, I'm, I'm as guilty of that of anything. But once again, I, I was curious. I was like, well, what is the difference between organic and grass fed? And what does organic even mean? Because I see that on everything, you know, like, oh, I buy organic, I buy organic. So I'm, I'm doing my part, which organic means nothing to the animal, essentially. So organic meat, poultry, eggs and dairy products come from animals that are given no antibiotics, growth hormones. Um, organic food is produced without using most conventional pesticides, fertilizers made with synthetic ingredients or or um, sewage sludge, bioengineering, or ionizing radiation. Before a product can be labeled organic, a government-approved certifier inspected the farm where the food is grown. So the reason why I think that is so important is if you watch any of these documentaries, like these guys show like, you know, the government doesn't want you to see what goes on in these things. So organic can be very, very broad. And I think that that is something just to be very aware of is really it doesn't mean anything betterment of life. It just means maybe a less pesticide that was on some of the food that was given to it. So, you know, once again, it's good because you're not consuming that. So once again, very good. But now let's look into what actual grass-fed means. So grass-fed beef simply means the cattle were allowed to forage and graze for their own fresh food. They may be given close substitutes like alfalfa during the winter, but unlike grain-fed animals, the emphasis is still on providing the closest thing to a natural diet as possible. So something kind of fascinating about this as well is the nutrients of the actual meat has more omega-3s and B vitamins. So as much as people say like, oh, if you eat beef, it's bad for your heart. You know, actually, if you eat grass-fed beef, it's going to, you're going to be getting more omega-3s, which is, uh, you know, once again, that's a positive thing for you. Now, take that with a grain, okay, if so, uh, grain, not trying to be punny, but um, you take that with a grain of salt because, you know, an omega-3, you know, at least if you're eating grass-fed beef, it's going to be, you know, less, 
you know, less impactful on your heart than eating, you know, just, just true beef that's gra that's grain fed because it's not going to have those, um, omega threes. And then actually something else that was kind of interesting as well is, you know, natural grass fed beef actually have CLAs in it. So a CLA is also, you know, anybody who's ever been in the, been in the, the fitness industry or has taken any kind of weight loss things, usually you take CLAs. So it's kind of interesting to see that grass-fed beef actually has a natural CLA in it. So then I, I just think that there, you know, there's obviously going to be some overlap with, you know, some of these farmers are going to have grass-fed that are organic beef because they don't do any kind of spraying or anything. So that's even better. But I think that it's, it, all of this is extremely important because I see so many people um, that are like, you know, I'm not eating this anymore. I'm not eating, I'm not eating beef anymore, or I'm not eating chicken anymore. I, I never really hear chicken. I, I would say I usually hear beef or pork. Those are the two that I kind of look at. And so just something that, you know, just doing some research and kind of, you know, getting my, my best knowledge kind of possible that I could get out there, you know, I'm, I, I can probably quality, you know, just saying that, I don't, I don't really have a desire to eat pork anymore, you know, unless I'm going to go get pork from a farmer's market that's been raised a certain kind of way. You know, I, I just, you know, whenever you see how smart these animals are and you do some reading on it, it really kind of just breaks your heart to kind of see how these animals are raised because they're very cognizant of, of what's going on around them. They know what's going on. They know what suffering is, you know, and they, they can understand that to a certain degree of, of, you know, just basic knowing what torture is. So it is very sad to kind of read as you can, and, and the videos will break your heart as well, especially in that, in that, um, in that actual documentary, it's, it's pretty sad to kind of see that. So, you know, once again, I would just recommend, you know, if you don't, if you don't like this, if you don't believe in this, you're going to, you don't give a shit about where your food comes from. You just want to eat it. It's that, that's your prerogative 100%. But I, you know, as I've kind of, you know, the last two years, I've really dedicated my life to trying to better my body. And that goes into what I put into my body. So knowing this kind of stuff, it, it, know, it, it betters my de decisions and what I'm going to be buying to feed both me and my family, you know, and especially kids, you know, I think that goes a super long way. And then at the same time as, you know, how are kids raised to, for the next generation, you know, if, you know, are we just going to raise the next generation to be blind to this and just close their eyes and open their mouth and just eat whatever goes in and tastes good, you know, or are they going to be aware of where that food's coming from? So, you know, once again, um, you know, I thought this was a very important subject. I watched this documentary. I took a lot out of it. I thought it was great knowledge. Um, Natalie Portman, I thought, you know, and once again, I think that in this day and age, you know, you talk about, you know, people for kids to look up to, you know, this girl's a scholar, extremely intelligent. You know, she's, she's trying to do a betterment of the world. She's not good, trying to get publicity out of it by any means, but once again, just amazing to see somebody that's trying to take a step forward and something that I think, you know, you know, probably needs some light and needs that kind of big name behind it. But at the same time is she's not really asking for it. So I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great documentary. I highly recommend it on Hulu. I'm not going to lie. I think Hulu is, I, I, Netflix has fallen off for me. I think, I think Netflix is, is slowly becoming more and more just like just shit compared to what I've seen. YouTube TV is awesome. Hulu is awesome. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see what this Apple TV is going to be, but Netflix to me is like at the bottom of the barrel. If I cancel any of my subscriptions, which I probably will, um, it's going to be Netflix because I'd rather keep Hulu than Netflix. So just a little bit of, little bit of advertisement there for Hulu freedom. Um, 
But um, the next thing that I just want to touch on right before the right before I let you guys go um, was just kind of some lines on the final four as it is coming up. I think the games are on the 6th. It looks like 8.49 p.m. I think that's Eastern time is the Texas Tech-Michigan State game. And then Michigan State game is at 6.09 p.m. Auburn and Virginia. So... Um, I'm sorry, I messed that all up. I'm sorry. Um, so at four, so on the sixth, the early game is going to be Auburn, Virginia at six oh nine p.m. Eastern, and then at eight forty nine Eastern, it's going to be Texas Tech against Michigan State. So just some fun lines to kind of look at as you kind of look at this. Um, Texas Tech is plus three, so Michigan State's favored by three over under of one thirty two, and then Auburn, Virginia, um, um, Auburn, Virginia. Virginia is favored by five and a half over under is one thirty and a half. So just kind of some fun little things that I kind of, that I kind of threw out this with my, with my buddies. Um, I was like, you know, Texas tech right now is a four to one favorite to win the tournament. Virginia is the favorite. I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly what it is. And then, uh, Michigan state is second and then Auburn's last like seven to one. So I was like a great parlay would be Texas tech, to win because I think Texas Tech has a great chance to beat Michigan State. They've been playing, they're playing a lot. It, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a team playing better than Texas Tech right now. So um, I would take Texas Tech um, to win outright. I would take Auburn plus five and a half. And then I would take the over of the 130 of the Auburn Virginia game because I can see that game being close and I can see that game going into overtime. I think Virginia always plays teams close and Auburn's one of those teams, if you let them stick around, they're going to beat you. They did that to Kentucky. Kentucky was beating them basically the whole game. Kentucky let them stick around. Kentucky uh, Auburn took them to overtime, and then Auburn beat them in overtime. So Texas Tech, Michigan State, that's a game I would take the under on just because I do think Texas Tech is going to play some defense. Um, and once again, last time Texas Tech played a Big Ten school, which was Michigan, they Michigan scored like 20 points in the first half. It was, it was terrible. It was like a 1990s just pathetic offense that Michigan put out there. So, um, so those are, that's what I would take. I think, um, I think I don't, I don't think it'd be too bad of an idea to put a little bit of money on Auburn and Texas tech to win it all. Once again, if you put 20 bucks on Auburn and they win it, you just want 140 bucks on a $20 bet. So not a bad little bet there. So just some picks. So that's what I would do. I would do Texas tech to win it. I would take the actual money line of that. Um, I don't know what the actual, what the actual winnings would that be? But I would take Texas Tech just to win. Once again, they're plus three, so you'd win more money by taking them just money line to win. Um, I like the under in that game because I like the defense. Um, Auburn, Virginia, I would take Auburn plus five and a half, and I would take the over, or I'm sorry, I would take, yeah, the over of that 130 and a half. So under of the Texas Tech game, over of the Auburn game, and then I like both underdogs. I like Texas Tech to win outright and I like Auburn plus five and a half and the fun thing to do is you can always tease these games um you know you can do a do a four team tease and do Texas you can add five points to every single line so just kind of something fun to do there um but that's pretty much all I have for you guys I told you guys I'd send one out in the middle of the week I hope you guys enjoyed it I know it's um I know it was kind of for myself. I just thought it was kind of deep. I, once again, I think the where your food comes from is extremely important. And then um, just a little bit of basketball in there. So hope you guys have a great day and I'll talk to you later. Thanks guys.